bring us in in three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Action for Everyone. For this here, December 10th, 2023, we are approaching the joyous festive season, my favorite time of the year. Believe it or not, not ironically, I fucking love Christmas. Uh, I think I posted some pictures in the Discord of all my Star Wars Christmas inflatables that are all lined up outside. It, it looks like a my, my pride and joy being my eight and a half foot inflatable AT-AT uh, that the neighbors, I'm sure, love. Fuck him. Anyway, uh, I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott. Welcome back. Uh, Vice. Vice, how are you today? Oh, man. I, I So much going on, and yet so little blank state of mind. Things that work, uh, plus also, you know, the, all the stuff we've seen. Yeah, just uh, oh, got to collect myself for this episode, but it's good because we have, we have help today, so I'm good. <laughs> and still in Indonesia, getting ever closer to... Uh, awesomeness liam o'donnell liam how are you today exhausted uh but uh glad to be here um my, my connection is a little laggy so the the video is off but yes i'm here um oh well you guys saw uh, posted on instagram the opening ceremony that is not something that is done on the first day of production it's done uh, a few days before and it's uh it's a traditional sort of uh indonesian ceremony and uh like i kind of posted on beyond skyline i i felt like i was just like kind of pushed into the stage and all of a sudden people were giving speeches and they were handing out these cakes and i was like what's happening right now and tried to you know toss something off from the heart um and so i i kind of i kind of knew what i was getting into it's like it's like the whole metaphor for for everything that i'm doing right now i actually knew what i was getting into and uh and and could could uh try to at least um you know put my thoughts together and and thank everybody um you know the, it's a constant sort of thing that uh the 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 language barrier between the me and the crew and different things is that there, there's a very indonesian people are very very polite and it's it's one of my favorite things about them but they'll always be like sorry sir sorry sir we have to ask you a question sorry sir and i just kept being like guys you're like you're making my dreams come true you don't ever have to apologize like ask me the question i want i want to hear all the questions and uh and and even more than that it's like they're leveling it up on all these things that uh you know i, I never would have thought of i i can just think of these scenarios and then the the, the questions and the collaboration and and the other ideas from other people and the, hey, this thing that you missed is stupid. Like I had a scripty, this this young kid out of college, and he asked me like super detailed questions that kind of blew my hair back. And it was uh, <laughs> it was just this great, like oh wow, you're really you're really taking this seriously. You're really thinking about it. And um, so yeah, that was a great experience this week. And uh, yeah, we're we're a week away, man. We're a week away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I know um we. We're still, we're still within the limits of like trying to keep things contained. I'll be well, see, I mean, like, he goes, he goes posting choreo on Instagram. So like, you know, it's, it, it's eco and, uh, and, and, and it's warpath. Those are the two things that I can talk about. Well, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, I can see on his, his Instagram page specifically, like, um, him and his crew, the, the team is so energized. Like, they're like, I haven't really, well, I haven't followed him before, but just to see him now. And to see all, all the people around you, they're like so psyched for this. Like it's, it's like the uh, 
the energy is palpable, you know. It's like it's, it's that that makes it that was more exciting to see what's coming next or coming soon because like they if they're so pumped for it, like I mean I'm sure you gotta be. It's great. Yeah, I mean, like when I when I first went to Jakarta, like you know, just the way I I kind of prepared to to work with them, having been through it before, and realizing, you know, how much I could rely on them, which is like part of the show, right? Like hire the great people and let them do what they do. But I I really thought it would be a great idea to put together like a, a fight sequences packet, and so I you know, outside of the script, it was like a deck with pictures and it laid out like what I saw the, the, each fight to be, you know, like the first fight was not, it's not lethal until it is. And then this other one, it's like, no, these guys need to die. <laughs> and so it was kind of, kind of underlining the drama and, uh, and the stakes for, for Eco's character throughout the movie. Um, because that that obviously has so much to do with with the way that he's fighting, whether it's like a defensive technique to suddenly aggressive and then, you know, coming for coming for throats, uh, slitting, slitting throats and stuff like that. So it's so it's so fun. And, and, and to, to kind of like I said, I he, he came here this week and we, we sat down and we were talking about I, I always will add fights as soon as he gets here. And I'm like, oh, there could just be this little extra one here. And he's like, oh, yeah, the choreo was really, really good. The first pass that my guys do, they're so good. But like it was, um, you know, he just talked about how he doesn't like it when um, the moves are about the sort of um, dance and the counter instead of like the thought process. He's like, for me. And, and I just immediately was like, yeah, that's what I love about watching you fight because your eyes always bring me through the fight. You always think about your technique. It's not remembering your dance steps. And he's like, yes, that's that's what I, I want. If I'm moving in a certain way, it's because it has to be what a strategy would be to win the fight or to defend myself. It's not just to like click, click, clack, clack, click. And we're going through the, the dance moves. And and of course, when he says that, he just starts punching the air, and he's like, "Oh my god, ba 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 It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm. Ba 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 ba." Ah, ah. And it's just, I'm just sitting there like, "Man, I got this is like the, the this is a free in real life. It's just right in front of my face, and no one's recording it." I'm like, "I, I got to record this. Just talking to this guy because he's such a genius, uh, talking about the rhythms." And uh, and the other thing, obviously, from from Meathead Twitter is that it's just so great. I just kind of was like. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, by the way, just you're going to be in a sleeveless shirt on this. So just, you know, focus on the delts. When he showed up, right. his delts are like twice the size of what they were a few weeks ago. He just he does exactly what I say. It's the best. <laughs> it's, the best. it's like, oh, you, you listen. This is so great. Uh, so, yeah, he, he definitely like his 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 delts right now are like. As as wide as uh, I've ever seen, so uh, very excited, very excited to uh, to to get to work with him, and then you know start to to uh, slowly um, share with you guys who who else is in the cast because it's it's a great group. Uh, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, it is a it is a tremendous cast that you have assembled. Um, keeping my mouth shut, but yes, uh, <laughs> I I love to the just the investment that Eco has working with you. That uh, but. I still have to pinch myself that this 
moron that I do a podcast with every Sunday is actually like hanging out in Indonesia, being like best buddies with Eco. <laughs> it's about it's about to make a mind blowing action movie. <laughs> he calls me his second director because I, I you know, no no shade towards J.J. Abrams, but he's like, I did Gareth and I did this thing on Star Wars, but then I worked with you. So you're like you're like the second guy I worked with. And so I'm always like, man, that's, that's super awesome. But then I think of that meme with the three headed dragons and it's like Garrett, <laughs> Timo, and then me as the, as the, dumb, the dumbass dragon at the end. And figure out like, I'll just beat the internet to the punch on that one. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. oh my, oh, my God. God. Oh yeah, you but just, hey, you you just know, took all the thunder out of that. That was good, good move. Good. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I thought of it already, but you know, yeah, I it it, it happened. It's true, you know. Like we did, we did do a movie together, you know, way back then before, you know, this whole kind of uh, all his whole like second act of his career. It was really early, and uh, and so you know, I think it's it's just a it's a great full circle moment for both of us because. It isn't. It's an international movie, but it, it is a, an Indonesian co-production, and he actually hasn't made a movie in Indonesia since the night comes for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it's mm-hmm. kind of it's just really exciting for everybody here to have Eco, you know, making something uh, back in Indonesia. So yeah, it, it, it's it's fucking awesome, man. Well, and, and, and something <laughs> something that he's totally invested in. Like this isn't like a this isn't like a you know, again, not not going into any spoilers. This isn't really a spoiler. This is an eco movie. I mean, this is a this is a this is he is, you know, every part of this movie. This isn't him showing up in the Expendables four or Mile Twenty Two. Right. Really, this yeah. is an eco movie. And 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 I and I think he's invested in 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 everything he does. But I do think it also it's from the other side of like, you know, this is this is written for him from the ground up. And then I also just, you know, have such a great friendship and relationship with him that we can sit down and talk through the script together and get into all those emotions about every single scene. And so, you know, like when you're making those international movies like an Expendables 4 or, you know, which I still haven't even seen, but some of those different things that like to the some of the stuff that some of our other friends do and they get kind of called in to work on something for a few days, they're kind of like, hey, man, you do your own work. You know what I mean? They're like, you come in here and do it. So it, it does, it is a two-way street. It's like, you can, you can be totally invested in the movie, but if the filmmaker is not totally invested in you, then they just kind of are hiring you to show up and do your thing. That's, and so, so, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead. that was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I, I shouldn't have used the word invested because yes, Eco is invested. He's never given a bad performance. What I meant more was he's invested in the collaborative process. This is a, a truly collaborative project between the two of you. So he isn't just there because he's just being told to come in and do what you do. That, that, yeah. Like that's you're what the I raid guy, do the raid thing. It, it, no, it's, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that that's been the case. And I think that's the case for a lot of uh, action in martial arts actors and stuff. They just kind of bring you in and, and want you to kind of play the hits. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, we're trying to 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 just kind of do something uh, that that'll be some a little familiar, but you know, forge a forge a new path and and 
and really like just everything I talk about on the show, you know, make a make a movie star movie for him that that hooks him up. So I've uh, I've written a lot of checks and I hope my ass can cash it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I far be it for me to like compliment you because I, I really hate when I have to do that. But I got to tell you, man, as soon as cameras start rolling, I have no concerns. You know, for when it comes to you, it's always been how do you get these projects off the ground? Once the cameras start rolling, did you you're going to be able to do this in your sleep. You got this. Uh, it, I'm glad, thank you for saying that. It's 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 incredibly stressful, but there is there is the definite um, benefit of of having been there before and being like, yeah, you were shitting your pants uh, the last time a week out. Like it's just it's just part of the process, and uh, I and, and and it's and it's normal. And there's there's always some part of it that you're like you're getting the Sunday scaries on, being like this thing's not right, and uh, and and kind of sending out those emails to try to shore up different things but um yeah i feel really good about the first week um and it's just gonna be one of those things where there's there's always gonna be crazy things that ha happen along the way and adapt and and, uh, and and keep trying to make the the best thing you can but uh so far so far i do feel feel good about this 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 first week we're starting uh and then man if if i could just if I can just get to the end and, and, and get this all in the can, then uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be really, really happy. Well, but that, I, guess, I guess I should introduce our guest too, uh, since it's been, uh, you know, 15 minutes and we haven't <laughs> introduced him yet. <laughs> Liam, is there any other updates you want to give us or? No, that, that was perfect. Thank you guys for letting me uh, rant. And, you know, I already, I already met, I already met Max like, uh, like a week or two ago. So it's no big deal. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what I said. Cause, cause when vice was talking about uh, whether he was going to be able to record on time or not, I was like, Oh, it's no problem. We don't have a guest this week. And then I was like, Max doesn't actually count as a guest. Uh, <laughs> Max is just Max. Um, <laughs> he is, he is, for those who don't know, he is the master of the A4E Discord. He is the one who very graciously put it all together for us. He runs it. He, uh, he does everything behind the scenes on it. Uh, he is also the Ayatollah of Bonk and Rolla. If you are in the horny channel on the A4E Discord, he will bonk you. Uh, Max Deering, Maxi, how are you today, buddy? Um, I'm good. Uh, that was... That was an introduction. <laughs> that, was, that was an introduction. I've been dying to call you the Ayatollah of Bonk and Rolla for like oh my God. <laughs> uh, For those oh, who... Because again, it's a Mad Max reference. See? Yeah, so it's yeah. like it all comes full circle. Anyway, buddy, how you doing? How's life in the Netherlands? Uh, It's cold. It's not rainy. Uh, has been raining for the last few days, but I'm sure it'll pick up again soon. So cold, Uh, soon to be rainy. Uh, it, Yeah, it's fine. Uh, we are, we're putting up our, we have our Christmas tree. We're going to be decorating it after we're, I'm done here and when she gets back. So uh, that that's what I have to look forward to after this. <laughs> uh, so I just want to, you know, you know, formally welcome you to the show. But, you know, the thing is you've been like part of us, I guess, almost before we, almost honestly, before we were even a thing, I think at some point, like the way our kind of Twitter circles work that like the people we follow in mutuals, like we, we kind of always been in this kind of this this realm yeah. now we have this now we're part of officially official unofficially the uh a4e and i think that i said i said the point that i wanted to the people you know know or just be aware of like um 
because I, I said this before, and I don't think people, it's not meant in jest, it's not meant as well. Like, um, we have all these, like, we get this chance, this opportunity to, to talk to these icons, these filmmakers, these craftsmen, these technicians, uh, writers, uh, producers, directors, something, uh, all kinds, you know. And so uh, that kind of gives us clout, quote unquote. Um, you know, like uh, we'll talk about it later. Like uh, we 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 did our Spotify rap and everything, so we had like um the numbers behind our biggest episodes. But what's really important is that this is always has been and always will be a kind of community driven effort. Um, that's kind of the whole point. That's part of the name of it. All. Even even our name is is part of that as well. Like um, all all the listeners, all the all the action Twitter, uh, you know, uh, person people. They are making this this project what it is. It's not just us three assholes plus you know Liam's uh, superstar buddies. You know it's like you you guys you all make that. And so do you have you like in this kind of you know again it's unofficially official like part of it. It's really important to us. So you don't want to say you know thank thank you for a beat for 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 you volunteering your precious time to do so, but also being so active and supportive of it. And and we know all the people listening all the all the all of the uh, A4 family um, appreciate your efforts very much as well. So, you know, we just want to thank you so much for reading that. And again, like, you know, this is a community driven effort. It's, there's weird nothing without, not even just listeners, but like, like the, the action Twitter, the Vishnettles, the fan films themselves, they're making this all worthwhile. So, you know, it's, it's got to have you. Thank you. Well, I, thank you. The, the honor is mine. I mean, uh, I followed. I was with you back towards the the days with BMD when you used to write for them. And Mike, I, I think you did you write for them as well occasionally, or was it just Vice? It was just Vice. Okay, um, but yeah, no Vice. I was I was with you back then, and I remember your writing just being incredible alongside like Priscilla as well. Uh, just really um, thoughtful, uh, and also just from a, a perspective, your military background as a veteran. Um, that's a perspective you just don't see every day. And I kick myself uh, just about every day I think about it because I, I just finished my master's uh, this past September in uh, film studies. And I really wish I had stuck with my gut and taken a page out of your book and wrote about uh, the veteran through film, especially recently. Because what you had to say, especially you always joke about, ask this director about Den of Thieves, but genuinely things like Den of Thieves um the what was that guy Richie film with Statham uh oh god uh those two films and and more they all carry that sort of that similar um archetype of soldiers who have come home been wronged by the government and now are taking it back and I think that genuinely has something to say about the state of uh how we view granted it's a shorthand it's a very it's a it's a very brief shorthand for why these guys uh can rob a bank how they know their skills and whatnot but i think it speaks to a deeper um i guess you could say rot within our systems that these people that we ship off to do these things in other countries come back and then they are not afforded you know the good graces and the respect that they just gave up their lives for. And so then they turned to a life of crime. And so your writing and BNB and especially past that um, is very inspirational. It's very thought provoking. And I want you to know that I think you have, you've done some in exceptional work. 
Thank you so much. I'm in the same birth of Priscilla. Wow, that's great. <laughs> but and you know, I think see, what what you're talking about will actually come up uh, later on in one of the movies we're going to talk about today. I think. Um, but um, well, here, Mike, I don't know what we have an agenda per se, but I just, uh, I'm you know since since it's here, I, I'm kind of just curious. You know, like um, Maxwell, you're like you kind of give us like your background, like you like like you said, like maybe you can work backwards, like. You, like you said, you get your master's in film, film studies. Great, great lesson, by the way. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, like, kind of, what's brought you to from to, to now? Like, you know, how, like, how are you in the Netherlands? Like, what, like, what's that about? Why, why is there a black dude in the Netherlands? Like, like, you know, well, there's plenty of black people here. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because she is going to listen to this. Um, back in 2016, uh, I was working at a movie theater. It was a movie tavern. It was basically like an Alamo draft house. Uh, they served food and everything there. And uh, you, you could order your food uh, and watch the movie. I was working there and uh, it was, we just had a hurricane come through one weekend. I'm going to try and keep this brief as possible. But we had a hurricane come through one weekend and Seuss, uh, my girlfriend, my now girlfriend, she came up and she wanted to come see a movie, but we were shut down because of the storm. A few days later, she came through and she went to go see Girl on the Train with uh, Emily Blunt and Rebecca Ferguson. Hmm. And uh, I saw her walk in and I just, I wanted to ask her out, but like I was a coward. I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I offered to give up one of my theaters to a coworker, like, hey, you can have my theater if you just like, maybe you give this girl my number. Like, I, don't, I don't know. And uh, she didn't do it. And then I accidentally bumped into Seuss and we talked about the movie briefly because it was, uh, it was girl on the train and gone girl came out like in 2015 or so. So there were, there was definitely comparisons and I still didn't ask her out. And uh, I just bucked up. She walked out the door. I ran outside, nearly got hit by a car, asked her out. Uh, and then we started dating from there. We, took a trip to the Bahamas in January of 2017. Um, and then we went our separate ways because she had to, she was, she was in the Netherlands. She was in, I'm sorry. She was in Virginia. That's where I'm from yeah. to, uh, she was working on her PhD. She was there for just a few months, uh, just finalizing some things with that. Um, but she went back to Netherlands. I went back to Virginia and then I wasn't doing anything at the time. I was just working two, three jobs. I had stopped school for a bit and I just figured, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I could, I could literally drop everything I have and just try it out over there. And I did. So I left in July, uh, shacked up with her. I've been shacking up with her ever since. And then somewhere along the way, there's a dog behind me. There's two cats upstairs. We're in a house. I not only got my bachelor, I went back to school, got my bachelor's and my master's in the span of four years. Um, because out here, school is crazy. They let you just go immediately to study what you want to study for. And then the master's only uh, takes a year. So I was like, for four years, it takes four years to get a master's and the same amount of time in the States it would take me to get a bachelor's. So I was like, sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I finished up my master's, like I said, in September. And uh, now I'm uh, banging on the doors looking for work because I'm tired of being the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I just like, you, talk about taking a leap of faith. Like that's, you know, that's, you know, people have their stories about, you know, breaking into the industry or whatever, just or just like how to get started. So like, but even just like literally going across the world to, to just start a life again. Like, I, I, well, actually, I guess I, I kind of sort of relate in a weird way. Like, or yeah, and I think even, you know, Liam as well in his own, in, in his own way too, like um, taking these big leaps of faith to like, you know, to getting out of yourself, like almost physically and mentally. And you know, just kind of just doing it. That's you know, it's a very admirable thing. 
Yeah, plus you know, finding finding hopefully finding love along the way. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Six, so, yeah, just, seven years. So yeah, no, it's going good. Now, if you could just <laughs> tell that to my bank account, we. The, <laughs> <laughs> well no yeah, I, yeah uh, but yeah, and, no, and, I, and i would say like you know as much as i appreciate the words about my perspective but like i think that's part of part of why you resonate with us as well because you have you what you just described you know that's a very unique perspective as well like you know just having that different lens of just you know living life it kind of informs our thoughts and you know about the about, about films and about you know life media and life as well just like uh we see things a little bit differently and that's to our benefit, I think. So yeah, definitely yeah, that and, part of us. And coming out here has been a, not just from the perspective of being able to travel and see a lot of the world. Um, I've seen Egypt, I've gone to the UK. Excuse me. We just took a trip to Transylvania back in October. So I've seen a bunch of the world, but also just seeing the differences, you know, um, in, in culture and also with film. Uh, yeah. One of the big things I always say, uh, and it was what it was a good chunk of my focus as well with my studies was that that gap of um, film rights. And, you know, it's everything is it's one thing in the States. You know, you've got Netflix and uh, Hulu and whatnot and all these other films. But then you jump countries and suddenly some of the films that are on Netflix in the States aren't over here and vice versa. And then on top of that, like um, they have their own streaming channels uh, and uh, products. There's several streaming options out here that aren't what we know of, like your Netflix and HBO Maxes. And they run local things, but they also run, um, I think you can get a bundle with like stars in it. You know, there's just, there's so much, it, it becomes so much more interesting, but also very complicated. Um, and it's, it's fascinating in many respects. It's also uh, very confusing in a lot of respects as well. <laughs> and so it's something uh, that is always, it's, it's got it's got me on my toes, uh, for sure. Mm, yeah, Mike, I don't um I don't know what the big plan is. I actually wrote notes down, not just for the films <laughs> we're going to discuss, but it had been a few weeks, and I had I also put out we could talk about trailers, but before we talk about those trailers, Vice, I have to ask. I'm shocked that you're even talking to me. I thought you would have died from watching that Blade trailer. Uh, <laughs> so okay, yeah, I guess we're going to jump around, Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike, sorry, I don't know if you have a Dendable. We, this is it's a lot of stuff happening this week. Like, like yeah. uh, literally, the only agenda is we need to talk about Godzilla minus one. We need to talk about Silent Night, and we need to get done early enough that Liam can go to bed at a reasonable yeah, yeah. time. Yep. So, yeah, like, yeah. that's 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 what the agenda is. So, you, you guys, guys, you guys can keep going. It's fine because I, I literally haven't seen anything. So, uh, don't don't <laughs> feel like you have to. If, if you guys want to want to keep the party going all night long, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll Irish goodbye, and you'll. No. <laughs> he could be asleep for all we know. Like he, there's no camera. He's been muted. He literally could be like dozed off at the computer. Just like he hears his name. I'm up. What's up with you? <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll say about the game stuff because, like, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of game trailers recently because of the game awards or whatever. Some bullshit. Some kind of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. fanfare thing going on. But uh, so one of the things that I was supposed to play the Blade new video, new Blade video game. And uh, but niggas in Paris, you know, the, it's like, but it's like, it's, I'm cautious because I'll just say Blade hasn't had the best track record, uh, you know, in video games. And you know, or even, yeah, so like, uh, any kind of adaptation is, um, always, uh, there's room to fail in a pretty big way. So, you know, trailer is cool. So I am, I'm optimistic, 
but yeah, I'll, I'll see once you know actual gameplay stuff starts. You know, then then I'll see. Okay, then I'll get I get the proper hype. But for now, you know, just, well, for now, nothing else. I'm glad that you know that his IPs, uh, properties, franchise, his status in the cultural uh, consciousness still exists and is still at least strong enough to make a video game of all things. So yeah, that's that's a good sign. So. It took long enough. Like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have to presume that you know this probably was. In the works once they when they announced the first with the well when they announced the reboot remake what they want to call it of with the MCU version of yeah. play with Mar- Marshall Ali but now you know we hear that it's kind of still not, not limbo but um it's being retooled so much time so we had no idea what's gonna happen with that so I, I presume this was probably part of that so either way whatever happens with, with movies I guess it's they're like still seeming ahead forward with this one so you know we'll see we'll see I will say the developers of that game um uh, Arcane Lion they have. They they have a pretty they have a really good track record with some of the games they made so uh all like you said hopefully but like uh if if uh if it keeps holding steady then uh yeah you're you're probably in for a really good game so, uh, so yeah uh, well hey I guess with the trailers here um like we mentioned it before uh, which we'll, we'll get into um more about this in a later movie discussion uh the big one from this past week for at least for me uh, for for us us two personally is uh fucking uh. Godzilla <laughs> X Kong, the, the, the beatdown. <laughs> Monkey like, you know, and it, Lizard united as friends. <laughs> Pink monkey. Lizard, Cyborg Monkey team up to beat Orange Man. <laughs> no, they team up to beat Trump. That's what it is. <laughs> He's fucking Trump. Yo, yeah, this this trailer that came out for the new the, the new MonsterVerse, whatever legendary sequel crossover, whatever he does. Uh, King Kong, as we know him in his current form, from you know Skull Island, and now you know Godzilla versus Kong, he's back, doing some more like whatever kind of whatever weird fucking Excalibur shenanigans they got going on with Kong. He's like, like I, I called him before. He's like, he's like the um the one true Caesar. Now he's like, he's like the chosen one, the chosen eight yeah. or some shit. Who knows what's going on with this fucking monkey man? But uh, they got him. They got him in some all kinds of weird setups in the trailer. You know, like uh, now he's in the uh. I forget, I forget what they call it, the, the, under, the, the, world, the uh, underground world in the under the earth or whatever. So, like, he's back yeah. home, quote-unquote. Um, yeah, there's, like, there's, like, you know, crystals, crystal caverns and fucking ancient civilizations or whatever, I, I think, presumably, going on. But also, but and with that, he has a fucking robot gauntlet. Like, he's going <laughs> fucking wild with this shit. They are going almost literally apeshit. It's just like, you know, whatever the fuck they want to do. You know, like, this, you can kind of, and I guess it's kind of cool that, like, you know, they can... He, as opposed to well, in the case of Godzilla, though he he existed in so many different iterations, so many different backgrounds and lores. He's always changed over time. Well, you know, like there's so many ways, so many origins, so many types, so many um, storylines of Godzilla, and they all they're all they all real. They're all they're all canon, but they're all you know they're all their own thing. Mm-hmm. But Kong has really had that, so they just kind of like they had kind of the uh, the freedom, I guess, to just do whatever whatever. And it's, so you see him like yeah, like he has like uh the the god. The Godzilla skull, uh, Godzilla, that the axe scale axe, you know, like yeah. he's doing some weird shit, you know. So now he got that monkey, robot hands, and, and of course, you know, the big um money shot of the trailer is that uh, him and Big G teaming up, running side by side to fuck somebody up, you know. It's just like <laughs> this pure, like fucking pure, like kid, kid imagination going wild, like you know, like this, like, yeah. this kind of stuff. Like when you're young and you're like imagining monsters fighting, like this is what you kind of think of. But it's all like you know, kind of take it that that spirit of uh, you know, you you can have the uh, as we have, we'll talk about the serious 
Allegroco got to the you know, so you know, the fucking just the monster bashing, you know, like the, the, the action figures together. Yeah. So it looks like they're firmly going for that in this movie, in this trailer. So I'm very that big that. orange, I think they call him Scar King. He's got a bandolier. I just, I hope he has a gun. Like, I, oh I my God. That, fucking, I shared that panel from Hellboy, and it's like, is that a monkey? He's got a gun. Like, <laughs> do it. Give him a gun. Give him a big fucking gun. <laughs> Koba style. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know his, he's, he's called the Scar King. I don't know his yeah. name. I don't know his background. I don't know his story, but I know I'm a, I hate that motherfucker. I'm like, you're going down, <laughs> punk ass orangutan. Man, looking like a fucking bitch ass like David Cross orangutan. You whatever, <laughs> man. Your days are numbered. Whatever you did, you deserve it. <laughs> I don't know what you did. But, but you you probably come. broke Kong's arm and put him in the. Kong's like, shit, I need a robot gauntlet. And he took my <laughs> axe. I got to beat his ass with my robot arm now. <laughs> you know what? You can probably like, we can like write yourself, you know, like what we're saying is probably true. <laughs> but yeah. that's why it's fun. It's like, yeah, let's just go with it. It, it, it flows easily. Oh, uh, boys, yeah, any I, thoughts? I, uh, I, li- I like the trailer a lot too. I mean, I, I thought, I, I, I agree. I, I always liked Godzilla versus Kong just because, like, I generally do like Legendary's approach to these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and everything, like, there, there's always something to, enjoy even from the ones i don't like that max does like king of monsters they're still like the goat, still, the goat. Still, there's still good uh you know a monster madness to it but yeah you know kong versus godzilla godzilla versus kong at least because they, they they do not seem able to make any of the humans actually interesting or stick or last longer than like two of the movies so having Kong be, you know, the protagonist was like, okay, I've got something to hang on to. I I like this guy, obviously. And uh, and then then it sets it up for this. Okay, my one thing on this, the end shot, which I, I when I watched it the first time, I really enjoyed it. And then everyone's just posting it over and over again. I was kind of like, this is just my, my little uh, annoying uh, note is that I, don't you just kind of wish there was a lower angle and it like craned up to that composition at the end? Like it was yeah, just a tighter, and it's a lower angle tilting up at these big things, and then it kind of rises up to that thing. But it's like it's just that weird CG camera that's just mm-hmm. kind of like locked in this position. And I'm like, ah. So th- yeah, anyway, I can see that because then it would still give them like a sense of scale to it. Uh, yeah, it's the same exact animations. It's just push the camera in like a little bit, go low tilt up, and then end on that composition. And it doesn't even have to be a big move, but just a little subtle of that instead of uh, that one. But, um, you know, maybe it's all part of a different sequence that doesn't require that. So whatever. Well, no, I think you speak in this spot on. Like um, people kind of mentioned that even even with, well, with the first God of the Kong, like uh, the sense of scale seems off, you know, like, you know, with King of, the Mo- King of Monsters, like, you know, you could feel them big motherfuckers, you know, like, like the CDs around them. Whereas with the... The it was so weird. The uh, scale of each monster was inconsistent from t- from like fight to fight. Like guys, mm-hmm. versus Kong, like you know, like the way they're on the battleship or, or the aircraft carrier, they're not the, they're not quite the same size that they would be in the city. But, you know, it's very it's very strange. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I think people yeah like the the sense of scale is off. I think so. I think hopefully they can. Well, we'll see how they how the full movie plays up, but hopefully they can. I mean, yeah, I don't even give a shit, really. It's uh, (laughs) you know, like it's fine, but you know, it's a fun monster mash. But it was just one of those little like uh, just thinking about the technique. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I I sometimes 
sometimes the scale changes and sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around it. Like mm-hmm. even when w- working on the first skyline, I, I, I didn't quite know how big the ships were. Like, it's like I, I, when I'm writing the second one, I was having it do stuff and they're like, you realize it's just this, like, look at this model. And you're like, Oh yeah, fuck. It's not going to work for this shot. And it kind of, it, 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 it's, it's hard to wrap your head around uh, because, you know, our perspective is so grounded towards the human uh you know pov and so trying to to wrap to to kind of grapple with how big these things are and how if you were actually filming them on a real camera like little of information you'd be able to get which i think the first uh, uh the other gareth's godzilla does that really well but um you know they forgot to have fun with it really too so he does all <laughs> that stuff but it just ends up being uh, a movie about a guy who's a bomb diffuser who doesn't diffuse the bomb at the end. And you're like, wow, great. <laughs> Point. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, you know, like I, I'd rather just see the monkey and the gorilla punch each other. Uh, exactly. so <laughs> the, um, the other trailer, I think the other big trailer was uh, Furiosa. I, I assume we all saw it. Uh, that, yes. that, that, that's wild. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I saw like I saw it was I saw it announced and I just like I had to I had to put my phone down and go to my TV and put it on the big screen because that's like wow it, it looks fucking pristine. <laughs> I mean yeah, it's just like like how do movies still like look like this? How, how, how does he do that? Jesus Christ! They like, yeah. kind of marvel that. Did you know it was Hemsworth right away, or did then it? No, the I didn't. I, I, was, I rewound. I didn't even watch it first through because when they said Hemsworth, I was like, wait a minute, and I scrolled. <laughs> It was like, what the fuck? Like, that's just like so yeah, ballsy on on Miller's point. Like, there's no way any studio is like, I want to pay Chris Hemsworth $10 million and make him unrecognizable. <laughs> that drives them crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, and he saying, looks like he's having a ball. Oh, yeah. man. He looks like he's having so much fucking fun with that. Yeah. Oh, I, and, and I saw people kind of complaining about different things with the look and obviously the CG. And it's like, well, if you've read a, up on Fury Road, it took the guy a decade to make the movie. It's not that <laughs> shocking that he like, I don't exactly want to do it the same way before as before. And uh, and, and I want to keep pushing this whole like sky replacement, crazy uh, DI color popping thing to the next level. Um I guess some of the things is that like, it was interesting to, that at how much of a prequel it is. Like I didn't really like need to see a Morton Joe again, or even the war boys. I kind of was like hoping it was just all like a new hidden chapter that I, I didn't know anything about, but yeah. uh, obviously with George Miller, it's like you're, you're yeah, more than the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think everything that I've read about it sounds like it's, it's an exciting thing. Even even some of the prequel s stuff in the ad copy, I felt like sounded more like marketing department stuff, so that people could understand what it was, rather than the text of his movies, because they're very, they're always kind of very loose and interconnected, and he he's not obsessed with continuity at all, uh, which which I always admire. You know, it, it is always sort of uh, it, its own riff, and so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if things don't quite line up the way uh, the marketing is setting it up, but. Even if it does, you know, the the the, the real joy is, is in the execution. You know, it's like uh, this movie can't be spoiled for me. It's yeah. about experiencing it. Yeah. And also we know where she ends up as well. Like it, it'll still be a prequel up to a, a point, you know, like we know 
her uh, her role in her arc in Fury Road. So I'm not saying there's nothing new that can be mined from it. I do think there's definitely something new, especially with Miller. But I also think that, uh, you like you said, it's you, you can't really spoil it, so to speak. Yeah, like right. shot, you know, speaking of robot gauntlets, she had a robot arm. Like, like, yeah. like, oh, how'd they come to be? Well, we'll find out. And like, it sounds that's one of the things that see that sounds silly on paper. You know, how did they get a robot arm? But like, you know, it's like again, trust the process. You know, trust the master. I'm sure it'll be fucking dope. And um, oh, and uh, another thing for me is that um, I I didn't chill joy. You know, she's got she's got one of the biggest stars in, of the current generation now. You know, she's done all kinds of work. But from like, she's done like comic book stuff, and also you know, very serious dramas. You know, and like uh. Even and so I appreciate her work, but I was never really um captured by her. I'm not really like a big fan of hers, but I got just just from these few minutes of scenes, I'm like, okay, I think like I think George Miller sees what a real sees, what an old sees, but now he, he he needs me to see it too. It's like just those little moments of her like being an action heroine, like which I, I don't think she's really well, other than like I don't the um the X Men movie, whatever, but like. I think for the most part she's in like kind of like these um stage dramas where he's like these thrillers. So I've never seen her in like full on um um action pack white girl mode. And like, yo, yeah, like I'm 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 believing it. Like, yeah, she definitely is a action pack white girl, like just from these clips alone. But yeah, like I finally it's click it's finally um click clicking clicking now. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what she can do in this role. Like and you know, because no, like I know she has this, the talent and the, the gravitas, but it was never really like it never really worked for me, but yeah, and then but now in this context, I'm like totally on board. So I want, I want to see what you can do. Yeah, no. I I thought at one time um Yaya Abdul Mantine, he was in it, but I think he uh I, I I just browsed the Wikipedia page and I don't think he's in it anymore. I thought I remember him being cast in it. Uh but I, I was excited um for him as well. Cause I, I I did know Chris Hemsworth was in it, and I think I also knew that Yaya was in it, but I don't think Yaya's in it anymore. Um that's unfortunate, but you know, it's still, yeah. it's still plenty, plenty, plenty yeah. of power here. So, plenty yeah. of power here. So, we're all good. Mike, Mike, what did you think? Oh. You, no, I, I'm good. Oh. I'm sorry. I was, I was looking up something on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, was, was originally cast in Furiosa. My guess is I didn't have time to fully look into it. My guess is with COVID and everything, Aquaman probably took he probably had to finish Aquaman first. So he probably had mm. to drop out. Okay. Um, no, I thought it was, I was more annoyed by the, the discourse than the trailer was fine. The trailer was what it was. Uh, it was good. It looked good. It's George Miller, but I, I just was super annoyed by the, the, this idea that all of a sudden Fury road somehow isn't one of the greatest movies of all time. And this is coming from somebody who it was not his favorite movie of 2015. Uh, you know, the, 2015 I, was a stacked year. Like yeah. you, you can be forgiven. Like yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I love Fury Road. I saw it four times in a week in the theater, but it still was not like my favorite movie of 2015. And so, um, but to just like it's just so patently like like what you like, don't like what you don't like. We always say that on this show, but also at least have the wherewithal the 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 media literacy to understand that if you don't like something like fury road that in no way shape or form does not make it not a crowning achievement of like action cinema 
Like, there's a lot of movies that are crowning achievements of cinema that I do not like, and I have very specific reasons for not liking them. I'm not jumping into people's mentions to try and tell them that I think Gone with the Wind is a piece of shit, right? Like, (laughs) you know, like, I'm not jumping into people's mentions to tell them that I'm not the biggest James Cameron fan. Like, I still can appreciate the quality of those movies, even if they don't resonate with me, but Mm. that's not how things work on social media, right? That kind of nuance is not acceptable. So the trailer looks fine. What was your favorite movie of 2015? (laughs) It was Creed. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know why I'm coughing. It was Creed and spotlight. were tied for, for number one for me. What was Atkins movie output that year? My brain was trying to, to grapple it. (laughs) Uh, That's a good question. Uh, Let's see. 2015 might've been one of his, one of his big years. Uh, Close range probably would have been his, his, his big movie that year. Did you just know that off the top of your head? No, I just, I I used to. He has the tab. He has the, he has his filmography tab as his homepage. He just clicked (laughs) it. Yeah. Two two years ago, I would have absolutely been able to list off every movie that came out in 2015 for Adkins, but uh, I'm a little out of practice with my boy. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, Creed and Spotlight were, were my, my two favorite ones. Another Spotlight enjoyer. We we stand. We love that. Well, that was the other thing that pissed me off is seeing people that were like, I can't believe Spotlight beat Fury Road. I'm like, yeah, do realize Spotlight's fucking brilliant, right? Like it stands tall on the shoulders of movies like All the President's Men and, and, you know, like the paper and these sort of journalism procedurals that are really fucking hard to pull off and really fucking hard to do well. Like Spotlight's amazing. Like we don't need to boost fury road by shitting on another great yeah. movie that's so. one of those movies i have a problem with it because i'll throw it on i'm like i can throw this on for noise in the background and the next thing i'm sitting there watching it, i'm like you're Shit. done you're done you're done <laughs> if you're yeah it's it's one you i used to i that for me the like biggest example of that is for me is apollo 13 if i was ever flipping through the channels and apollo 13 was on and i didn't immediately hit skip channel I was done. I was just, I was, if I watched Apollo 13 for more than 30 seconds, I was going to finish watching that fucking movie. Spotlight's the same way. So, another one of those examples, like, you know, uh, movies like it's movies, uh, guys in a room talking, you know, but like what they're talking about in this, in that case, you know, fucking, fucking scandal, like some serious shit. And it's a real fucking shit. Yeah, that's a real fucking motion picture, you know. So, but just to have that, just, yeah, you said like a stack you'd have. One of the greatest, greatest action films of all time. It also has a pretty good message in it, to it a pretty strong, you know, narrative. In it. And that you're like, well, you, you could have gone wrong. <laughs> that was a great time in the movies, man. Shit. Yeah, I kind of think in a world where you know journalism is under uh, full frontal assault from all sides, <clears throat> we should maybe be hyping a movie like Spotlight a little bit more. Um, yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. But anyway, and then Godzilla versus Kong. Or not? I mean, uh, Godzilla Cross Kong. Like what? It's it's big punching, big punching monsters. I mean, I like everybody knows my love of Godzilla. Everybody knows how big of a fan I am of it. I'm of course gonna be excited for that. Movie. I can't tell Mike. I don't see any Godzilla figures in your shelf in the background. Uh, <laughs> fake fan. <laughs> fake fan. Oh, there he is. Yeah, there he is. I see it. Okay, okay. So there's yeah. There's, oh yeah. There's two I'm Godzillas. Two Godzillas, two Kongs, and a Gypsy Danger. So, uh, uh, yes, yeah, I, my cred is my wild. cred is established. Well, I forget before, before moving on. I forget to mention, like, you know, about you know the, that kind of 
the spectrum of serious film to like you know crazy action movie. Like, uh, isn't it? I just love how um Rebecca Hall is in this fucking as like one of the one of the monkey stars. She's like literally one of the best actresses of our generation. Like, she might she might, honestly she might be even like in one of like a greatest of all time uh, status. Like one of the among the top actresses yeah. who ever ever do it. And here she is doing this like bullshit. <laughs> Okay, but you you always say she needs a break. This is her break. Yeah. <laughs> she she be stressed the fuck out in her movies, but she was like yeah. she was like wigged out. You know, always going to shit so hard. You know, like here she is being like the uh, how she was very good woman. in uh, Resurrection. It was a horror movie from last year with uh, I was about to say Eli Roth, not Eli Roth, Tim Roth. Um, and that, she was very good in it. But again, like you said, stress the fuck out. Uh, the Night House, which I, I watched, like, I feel like I just throw on every month uh, a horror movie with her in it. I She's so good in it. But again, she's stressed the fuck out. So yeah, her her letting her her big lizard and her big monkey team up to save the world. I think that's her. Like, I can I can break. I don't have to I don't have to like wig out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's let's get into Godzilla minus one. Um, I was unable to see this one. Uh, so Max and Vice, I'll kind of let you guys take it from here. Vice, you, as usual, had some pretty, pretty uh, interesting thoughts. And Max, you, like me, are an absolute Godzilla fanatic and nut. So uh, I, I assume that you well, I know you loved it, um, but I'll kind of let you guys take it from here. Yeah. Well, here, um, I'll just say as a guy who is not familiar with Godzilla really at all, um, I've only seen a handful of of the entire fucking uh, pantheon of films, I've only seen a few. Um, but you know, so but I do, I do have a general grasp of the iconography and the allegory behind what he is, who he is, what he means. You know, like Godzilla in its original form, he is the manifestation of the psychic trauma that this one people's have experienced. You know, like the the, the unique tragedy of being a the direct victims of nuclear holocaust like no other person peoples on this earth have yet faced that hopefully never will again so like that Godzilla, you know the very specific cultural time thing from that you know their their own lore it, mythology plus this new this horrifying real world event made this monster that's like part of our psyche, part of our psyche you know, like it's part of our thoughts or our imaginations of what of a monster or what what death a looming death means you know and so um basically minus one is kind of a um sort of kind of a greatest hits i think it's kind of like a sort of between a reboot or like a, or reboots or a sequel or um kind of legacy or, or greatest hits kind of thing it kind of takes parts of the various films that i know of um and pretty heavily on the on the original film gojira um, for the 50s but you know it's kind of now it's in a newer a slightly different context whereas as opposed to after the it's more directly after the war so uh, world war ii so kind of more dealing directly with that um post-war occupation era so a lot of that um that that specific um psychic trauma is also part of that as well uh not just the nuclear not just the fallout the literal fallout itself but also just kind of that space of uh where are we as a country as a people like uh, where you know kind of the, the, the name applies they've lost everything and now in this case the monster has taken them down to less than nothing so like the, that's kind of where the movie's the headspace head is at so yeah just a really interesting um kind of really interesting tweak on that original um original allegory and um yeah so it's it's yeah it's it's 
it's just as propulsive as any of the uh, the the kind of monster bashing era movies, but still just as serious and just as powerful as you know the original or or, or the other and the all the other kind of revisions. Uh, you know, uh, most recently uh, Shin Godzilla, which is a fantastic fucking one of the greatest greatest movies of the 21st century so far, and definitely one of the best Godzilla movies. It's not people argue, people argue the best one. Uh, you know, maybe some people will say even even better than the original, which is crazy, crazy to say, but it's that good that people can even bring that argument to bear. Um, but yeah, this is definitely in that realm with Shin Godzilla, and again, same thing. I think people will, as they're seeing it, they're, they're like this. Be, I think becomes people some their favorite. You know, it's just, it's just it has everything that because Godzilla movie in the classic sense should have is that that uh, the human drama, the cultural background, and plus you know this the fucking the 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 god himself, the god of death, Gojira, like he's there, like. This terrifying, like it's actually probably terrifying. This movie, like, like a, yeah. like it, you, you, it's, 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 it's awesome in the in the true sense of the word. All like, like the combination of respect and fear, like you know they the way they present Godzilla, um, as again the twist on the twist on the, the, the mythos, like uh, he was always kind of there, but now he's like now he's amplified more so because of our human fucking folly. So and you know he he is to like wreak havoc like, once again. So yeah, um, just overall excellent. And like I said, um, uh, the, the specifics of what goes on, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, we'll try to avoid spoilers, I guess. But um, just the main thing is that um, it's heavily the main character, the protagonist here is um, uh, it's actually pretty important to the kind of the, the theme of it all. He's a kind of disgraced kamikaze pilot, and that um, during the last days of the war, World War Two, he was supposed to do a kamikaze mission, but he didn't. Uh, he he's basically a deserter. Um, but then in that, this is all the fact the first five minutes of the movie, like kind of the impetus of it all. But then in that kind of um, desertion uh, 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 moment, Godzilla appears and uh, ends up uh, killing some fellow, fellow soldiers. So it's kind of, it's very interesting to me that, uh, that, um, that guilt, that uh, emotional uh, pain of uh, not being able to uh, succeed in the war it's kind of transposed into like um how do we defeat Godzilla? Like that he becomes not just the the avatar of their trauma, but also of their 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 um guilt and their or their longing to to, to be right to or to, to have done succeeded not 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 necessarily to win the war per se, but like to have done something honorably or come out of it well instead of just how how it has. History, history played out, you know, like they were basically, you know, like a, a third world countries, so, so to speak, after the war, you know, America fully occupied them and they were kind of, and even now, I mean, it's just part of what the other, other metaphors of Godzilla are, you know, with the Japanese Defense Force, like how they are not really their own independently self, or not their own, um, the self-defense aspect of it all. That's a still a very um, sensitive emotional, cultural issue for them, you know. Like, like they can't have a military in in a, in a, in a, in a uh, direct sense because of the after the war. So like all that comes into play with uh, how they're dealing with Godzilla and like how they're dealing dealing with this um this weird kind of uh, limbo of being a, a nation um, without real power. And so that's it all plays out in the movie here um, with you know all but it's all with these all the um, famous kind of splash points and, and signal parts of the. Uh, the time monster is running through the city, uh, and the and the plan of all the people how we stop them, and uh, the kind of you know the the uh, the teamwork involved and the 
cooperation uh, of to 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 uh, bond as human beings to defeat this kind of unspeakable power. So all that again, all that kind of rich stuff that's what that's, that's what always been about the films is here in spades with so little twist on it all. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did too. I uh, I I really um, the 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 main character. Um, uh, she's Shikishima, Shikishima. Um, his his whole like deal is he just he gets that moment like I think midway through the film he's like maybe I can be happy maybe I can live again, and then uh Godzilla attacks uh Ginza, and it just he has that moment of anguish when the attack is over and it I I really can't believe uh, after all these years um it took um. 69 to 70 years for them to finally frame Godzilla against the nuclear cloud in that attack. Um, that was, like Vice was saying, just terrifying to look out, awe-inspiring. But that moment after that attack is over and he just kind of lets out this anguished scream, he's like, Jesus, like Christ, why can't I have what I want? Why, why is this happening? Um, it is an extremely powerful moment. Uh, uh, for me, I, I will say, I think everybody in the cast is very good. The actor who played uh, Tachibana, I really thought he was a standout. He was the mechanic because you really think the way his character is acting, he has a real axe to grind. And he does, I think legitimately so. But there's so much more underneath him, some, something so much more human beneath that, um, that when the finale uh, kicks in, you, I really felt like, wow, I, I couldn't express how much I loved his character because he has so much more underneath him than just that boiling rage of what happened at the opening of the film. Um, and I, I gotta say also, I think the, uh, one the, for me, one of the best scenes of the year, and I, I've seen some people talk about it is that moment, the theme kicks in and then the boats start moving. And it's like, da, 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 da. And it's like, Oh my God. Like you just, you just like, let's go, let's fucking do it. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like that's that's yeah. say, like um, even though it's still in the uh, it's still like the quote unquote serious because of the film, it still has it's rousing. It's, it's action packed. It went away like it, when the action happened. It's like it's still just as like momentum, momentum to it yeah. as any other like you know more the funner quote unquote because of the films. It has like really good balance of like that repulsive fun adventure aspect to it while still being like gravely serious too. Really and I think it does that thing as long with uh, Shin Godzilla and uh, the original where uh, their plan to fight Godzilla isn't through like military weapons. It's through science, which I think that's sort of like a fun little trope of uh, monster, giant monster movies in general is where they're like, how do we do it? Ah, through science. <laughs> and uh, I, I got I, I, I always appreciate that little uh, quirk. And to go back to what you were saying about um, he's this creature that's kind of always been there. I think a uh, mutual friend, uh, genre film critic, uh, Christian, he kind of put it best where he's just like this cryptid, uh, like a Bigfoot or a Loch Ness Monster is just there. He's just ex part of the ecosystem. And then he gets transformed by man's uh, ridiculous, uh, not ridiculousness, but uh, man's power uh, for very much ill. And I kind of like, even though like he's always walked like this, but the way he walks He's just he's kind of just thudding, but like he, but his his he's kind of always looking forward, and so it's like everything beneath him is sort of 
literally beneath him until people until he starts getting attacked and then he uh, you know he starts looking like all right who's doing this shit um <laughs> but like he's just plodding through you know the oceans and the land and he's just just doom doom just like looking forward and then a plane will fly by tanks will shoot at him and then he's suddenly like okay you've got my attention why are you fucking with me uh, and so it really has this sort of i guess lovecraftian-esque we don't even know his intentions. And that's not to say no entry has ever done that before, but he really feels like whatever this creature is, whatever this thing is that doesn't belong here, that is, you know, walking through our cities, destroying lives and infrastructure, he's got his own thing going on. We don't know what it is. He's doing it. And then we just happen to fuck with him. And then we pay the price even more so. Um, And so I really kind of like that, uh, that, uh, that aspect of it he felt he felt alien that's i think that's probably yeah. the best way to describe it yeah uh, and, and again because like no he is of this earth but then yeah. from our own hubris we, we we make him this kind of strange alien creature again speaking that that through that method that allegory works in so many different ways it's really really what makes the movie work so well because all that stuff all that kind of cultural and historic background is there with this new twist to it all Really and I did. Well. I really did want to catch it again this weekend, but sadly, the Netherlands, uh, their showtimes, among not having uh, English subtitles that often, uh, they they they're really bad with showtimes in this case. Uh, but somebody said something that towards the end, there's a character that returns, and if you look at them, apparently they have some type of growth or something on them, and I completely missed that. My dad oh. said it. Um, people in the Discord were saying that apparently there's some type of like radiation after effect consequence. And I was like, oh, I missed that. So on top of the literal last image and what that means coming next, there's other consequences to be had, I think as well. And I mean, it's doing well. So I, I have to imagine we'll be getting a sequel. Uh, uh, yeah, I have to imagine we'll be getting a sequel uh, faster than, than we would have gotten a Shin Godzilla sequel. Uh, yeah. But whatever they have next, if if that is indeed their plan, I'm very curious to see. Because uh, I, 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 unashamed to admit, I cried at the at the end. I thought, oh yeah, man, this was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I, it's one of those things because I, my my birthday was last weekend, uh, last Saturday, and growing up, I always joked that I never had uh, interesting movies come out around my birthday, and so <laughs> it was very funny to like, oh my god, I'm getting a Godzilla, a Toho Godzilla film mm-hmm. on my birthday, and I can go see it. Like my mind is just like I'm losing my shit. <laughs> and so there's a part of me that kind of like, I know I'm probably going to like it just from the fact that I'm seeing a Godzilla film, but I just wasn't expecting like that emotional, like catharsis that just that the people's will to want to live. And there is something to be said. We talked about it off mic. Uh, Mike had mentioned that uh, Vice, you were talking about, uh, you were talking, some people who had, uh, who were talking shit about the film, not talking shit, but uh, talking shit about it's more uh, agnostic, uh, readings and you oh. tell them the fuck off and <laughs> i know which is fair i i actually i do want to get into that a little bit because that's one of those things where as someone who's who i think reads a decent amount of essays and film criticism uh it's something that as someone who does that quite a bit you try to learn about um reading these different perspectives for things you like and it's always a battle. I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I know it's always a battle when I read something and someone does like something or, or doesn't like something that I do 
or they have a criticism of it that I might not agree with. And I'm like, this is not an attack on me. This is an attack. This is their reading. And I need to read that as such. And uh, I saw maybe one or two, but I think maybe you saw a bit more of those readings. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on those because yeah. I find that interesting. Yeah. So, and so I guess before I preface this by saying that um, I didn't, I, it's not even a, a criticism per se. So um, it's, so this element is pretty, to me, pretty obvious nationalism and some in some ways jingoist parts of this film. But just by saying that, again, this is the kind of thing where people get they they their screws twisted when they hear things like oh it's propaganda like they, they kind of they jump to say it's bad but no 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 this is a part of the text this is part of the, the psychological work that's being done in this film just as it was has always has been so I think it's it's to it the film warrants this deep look so essentially um part of the kind of what what's happening in the movie is that um it's this the the soldiers or the 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 soldiers and sailors whatever who lost the World War Two the Japanese soldiers members they're you know destitute they have they have no kind of purpose anymore and so we see them kind of gaining purpose um it's kind of represented by the the boat crew um in the in the movie that the, the, the hero joins um they they're uh they're uh, anti mining or a mine a ship you know explosive mine uh, yeah. detecting um crew and so um part of the, what's going through the movie is that um. You see these service members who were kind of, and they say this. I love that their country, their empire at the time, cast the cast them aside so easily. Their lives were not were considered were of no value. They were like literal cannon fodder, and so like part of the battle, part of the battle, not just Godzilla, but like the battle of reclaiming their identity, reclaiming their value as humans, as people, and they and as service members, as as parts of their nation. Not just to be sacrificed, but to be part of it and to strengthen it. And so, again, when I say nationalistic, it's not that's not the same kind of way that we think of it. Is or, or it is, but like a, it's a very specific reason why it's happening because mm. it's a very specific thing that, that happened to them. So one of the things that I saw that um interesting about the film is that um, you know, this is takes place during the uh, U.S. occupation era of Japan, nineteen forty-seven onwards, and. That's a very specific and distinct moment history. Like again, like Japan basically had no autonomy. It was entirely run by you know General uh, uh, MacArthur, or whatever it was. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. He was like previously the, like the the shogun of of Japan, but he was an American general. And like the, for for years, America, the U.S. Army forces were running the country or administering how the country was run. Um, in the film, there's no Americans at all. That you yeah. see physically, yeah. you, you see footage. You, you see footage of our view of very briefly of how it came to be. But like, there's no Americans. And again, now the obvious reason is like you know it's a Japanese movie. Um, they they want to show the Japanese point of view. But to have that movie, this movie set in that specific time period where we were an integral part of their history, and to be not shown at all, that's a that is a distinct choice being made. Like and you you have to kind of think of the psychology of what's what's going why is that being done, and so as the movie goes on you see these um these service members, are kind of reclaiming their power reclaiming their worth, and they're using their, and what's well, I'm avoiding spoilers but um essentially, using their old, weapons in a new way, um the old navy ships and their old troop device and even um the scientists like as you, as you mentioned you know they're using, they're using science but. He's a military scientist in, in, in his uh, during the war, so now he has to apply his his 
and apparently, you know, you learn he's a, he's a kind of a bigger deal than he lets on. And using that that um, scientific know-how and ingenuity and resources of his old wartime era um, for for this new thing. And and I mentioned that, you know, the thing that people got to say about when I, when I said that um, Godzilla Minus One has all the nationalism and some of the, the jingoism that people expected Oppenheimer to have. Mm. But then, as we as we saw Oppenheimer, they're like, no, that's it's like a, it's like a Oppenheimer is a kind of a crucible. It's like this man going through this uh, Sisyphean torture, or you know, like to try to to he's torturing himself because he brought this Holocaust upon these people. So the movie is about you know all the foibles of this man and like uh his, his blind spots and his hubris. How this you know even though for for he's a genius, like he still caused this massive pain, this trauma, this death. And he has to, you see him wrestling with that in the week. That's what the movie is. And all the old people around him who either are oblivious to that, who understand it, or who are like, they also, they see what he's doing and they're like, no, you'll never be absolved. No matter what, no matter what pain you think you're going through, it's never, you're never going to get rid of this demon. Yeah. And so like, it's an interesting parallel here with it because, you know, the, the, when the character's a doctor, that could have easily been an, op- he could easily been Oppenheimer. Like if, like he could have easily used his, well, in a way, it is like using his scientific know-how to make this kind of new weapon or this new way to defeat the monster. And so, like, they're using all their all the elements of war that they lost, but in a new way, in a righteous way, quote unquote, in a, in a more literal sense. Like, this is a pure the right battle. the right war being fought. Yeah, yeah, this is a, the right war being fought the right way. But by them being willing combatants, not just you know thrown into the fire like the, by the order of the emperor, like they are choosing to risk their lives for the people, for the nation, for their future, um, with the tools that they had from from before, and that's a pretty distinct statement. And that's 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 it's a very clear part of the film. So when I say it, and then and so the other part is though, like um the, the director himself, uh, I'm not familiar with his movie, but like uh, his other films. But you know he does ha- he had his history is Japanese films he has done a few um historical wartime World War II era dramas that do kind of lean towards this kind of uh nationalistic bent you know like they're they're about not so much propaganda per se well one might argue but like um about the kind of the pride you can, kind of regaining one's pride after this, this accumulating crushing defeat so that's all part of the movie that's all in the text of the film itself it's not I'm not making this shit up you know this is a, what happens in the film these former warrior warriors are now fighting a righteous war against this um impossible threat of their yeah. own will and so like I, that, I think that's very important to to understand that to kind of see where the movie's coming from because like to just kind of toss it up as like you know oh like they the characters say like you know be not having them into war is something to be proud of like, and they mean that, but also at the same time, the people, who, the the other civilians, they still want to battle. They still, they still are compelled to fight for their homeland, for the country, for the future. Like that's still a part of it. that's still that's still, that's pride. That's a nationalist pride. There's no other word for it. Yeah. And that's that's not a bad. That doesn't have to be a negative connotation the way we think of it is, but it's still part of it. You have to kind of. We're going to stand that when you, as you're going to this movie. So, well, like, yeah, it's, it's, oh, yes. Vice, also, it might actually 
I mean, I think it's not unreasonable to kind of consider it a negative connotation. Here's here's one of the things I saw in the replies to you was it reminded me very much of the discourse around RRR, which is a bunch of people who are completely either ignorant or unwilling to acknowledge the very real problems in the countries in which these movies are being created. Ja Japan over the last 20 years has seen a significant mainstreaming of the far right and a, a in particular, a nativist attitude, uh, a, a rising dislike of, of all things foreign again, which as we know was of course a big uh, thing that's led to their views in world war II. And so it's not necessarily that you're saying it's a negative, but it is context that is necessary to enjoy this movie. It, it, America does not have the market cornered on right wing nationalism in movies. Exactly. And, yes. and yeah, we just elected our Trump. So uh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it, it, I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's always weird to me when I see, you know, a, a, an international movie break big and you, somebody like you has the gall to say, hey, maybe there's some thorny topics going on in this movie that we should dismantle a little bit or or at least you know pull apart and everybody just immediately like jumps at you like a lot of people i saw saying well it seemed pretty anti-government to me and i'm like okay but you understand that anti-government and nationalism or nativism aren't mutually exclusive things right you you in fact most of not to immediately you know compare this to germany in world war ii but the fascists came to power because they were anti-government. Like yeah. that was their in was being anti-government and, mm -hmm. and pro populace. And so, you know, again, I have using talking points that are, uh, that are easy to get into or easy to get an into to justify right. your shittiness. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, again, I haven't seen minus one. This was more about, I was just seeing what I thought was a very reasonable statement on your part and the way in which you were getting attacked by people who just weren't that interested because I didn't see very many. I saw a couple. I, I will admit, I did see a couple of people who wanted to actually engage with you and have some very articulate sort of back and forth as to why they don't agree with you. And that's fine. But I saw a lot of people that just it didn't seem like they even wanted to engage with your thesis at all which is the same problem I ran into when I was talking about how RRR, while an insanely entertaining, fun movie, is also a horrifying bit of right-wing Indian propaganda. You know, it's a horrifying <laughs> bit of Hindu Vista propaganda. And so, like, we, those two things can be true at the same time. Uh, and, and it just, I don't know, it just bugged me seeing that what I thought you know, and admittedly, you were a little fiery in your initial tweet when you're like hilariously ironic that, you know, you did sort of talk your shit. But I still thought, you know, because the 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 rise of, of the right wing in any film industry is something that needs to be interrogated because the right wing is rising everywhere. There is no like you like you said, Max, you guys just elected, you know, uh, uh, just not a great, <laughs> not a great person. <laughs> Um, and so it's any film has to, we have to interrogate that, especially when it's an action film that is known or horror film that is known for being the most reflective. You no, know, those are the types of genres that are typically, typically the most reflective of the society in which they are made. 
um, you know, I just thought it was a little bit, I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed by the people who had no interest in engaging with what you And were I think saying. that it's kind of, that's, that's its own prejudice or its own like racism or whatever. Like, like, like uh, the reason I brought the, the Oppenheimer question is like, you know, people were like, let's see the Japanese point of view. And what, what they're really saying is, uh, uh, to me, what they're really saying is, we need to see the Japanese people suffer to feel sorry for them in a proper way, yeah. to give us the proper amount of absolution for, for what the country did. Like, but then, you know, but then when you see stuff like this in Godzilla or any kind of nationalistic element in any Japanese movie, a modern Japanese movie, that that conflicts with that, with your guilt trip of seeing them as only victims. You're like, but not by not recognizing the nationalistic parts of these movies, from Godzilla or any movie, you're doing the same kind of thing. You're, you're, you're being kind of prejudiced in your own way of not realizing their their complexities. Like, for example, like there's even a line that I there's a line in the movie where or in the in the trailers, in the first trailer, that's like a, the character says, Godzilla will never forgive forgive us. And I was wondering like what what would he have to forgive them for? And I was presuming that um maybe they'll address like you know like the the Chinese occupation by Japan, Rave of Nan King. I, I I was wondering if that stuff would ever come up. Like what what the Japanese people did to hundreds of thousands of other people, their own cruelties, their own Holocaust, or their, their own massacres, genocides. Not once brought up in Godzilla, minus one. And, you know... That line wasn't it? even in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you kind of think, well, why would it be if this if the, if the, if the point in the film is like, uh, we're going to reclaim our honor and pride and righteousness? Of course they would never say that shit. <laughs> you know, like, and that that is a choice. That is a, that is a statement. To not say that, you know, like that—that's—that's that's a deliberate thing that you have to contend with. If you really want to fully accept the movie for what it is and fully enjoy it, honestly, like you have to, like, like you said, like or, or any kind of, you know, or in our case, any kind of the Bay Former movies, any, any all that stuff. You gotta you know, accept and contend with those parts of it, even if it's ugly. But that otherwise, you're being, you're doing a disservice to the movie, and you're not being honest with yourself. With yourself. You're just kind of staying in this kind of guilt trip mindset that uh this pity that they don't deserve like you know, yeah they, they... And it, in, in a charitable reading i think i saw it was like it's both the movie is about both of those things it's both like you can be anti-government and also be uh jignostic and that doesn't take away from it being a good movie like i said it's it's yeah. two halves of the same coin you know yeah, uh, like like all this stuff. Like, well, I mean, this is I guess with the guys, just the anti-government thing. I just gotta say, drain the swamp. Like the fucking right wing attacks the government in the United States. Yeah, January six. Like you, you definitely can be right wing and anti-government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the whole point. So yeah, like you know, you, you gotta make you gotta recognize and like deal with that stuff. You can't just like you can't just like be oh, this is the good movie because it's the it's a uh, it, it it's anti right wing. No, no, no. You got it. That you, you're just you're not doing the movie a service by by absolving it of any of these thorny issues. That, yeah. You know that's not how it's done. So yeah, that's that's my piece on uh the of propaganda. <laughs> See, this is why I brought it up, and this is why I said I miss the writing at BMD. This long form stuff like this, you could then just put on the fucking website, and then I could read that and. <laughs> could actually interrogate that shit and it's like no you fucking can like i hate it so much oh, i feel like i failed you max i'm sorry no it's not you it was it's oh my god it 
But I will say, logged you know, in I, every day to like yeah. see what new piece was up there. Like, and there was always something new, and it's just not. And I, I think Priscilla is about the only one who actually writes on a continual basis. Um, but God, I miss it. But but I will this say, good I will, yeah, I will say we'll, we'll touch up on this a little more um, later on this year, or probably at the uh, at the end of the year, beginning of next year, for the uh, war film perspective. This is definitely a part of it. This is definitely. Godzilla Minus One is definitely one of the best horror films of the year as well, um, with with all that it entails, the good, the good and bad. So yeah, well, Mike, we'll, we'll get to get into this more. Once, once you see it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'll it. definitely have seen it by the time we do that, and then yeah, we can get into it um, more because obviously, again, I have a massive wealth. For those who don't know, I I grew up a huge Godzilla fan, but the first project I took on when we were in lockdown was I watched every Godzilla movie from 54 all the way up to, uh, well, I guess it kind of ended with Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, but I watched every single Godzilla movie over the space of a few months. Even the animated uh, ones. uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I, uh, the animated ones were interesting. You're talking like the Netflix, the Netflix trilogy. Yeah, I, yeah. I never got around to them. I they they didn't interest me, but I and I always heard mixed things. So. They're they're interesting. They're they're more interesting than good, um, <laughs> but they are but they are interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, and, and it's interesting if you watch them all that close to see the sort of cultural shifts and waves that Japan goes through. Yeah. And and those movies are very, very much reflected in or that that is very much reflected in Godzilla movies. And so it would make sense to me that minus one might be a little more thorny than than you know, some of the other Godzilla movies because Japan's in kind of a bit of a thorny space right now. Um, and so, you know, whereas like Shin was so fully reflective of, of the Fukushima disaster and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, you want to talk anti-government Shin is the one that's <laughs> yeah. properly so anti-government. So. Shin is the one that's like, these fucking people cannot be counted. They're on idiots. Any- and it's also, <laughs> it's, it's very anti-government. It's also very, um, like hopeful because at the end they're like oh the government's gonna resign and then a new one's gonna be installed you know better leaders right and it's like yeah that'd be <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah um i was actually i was telling Seuss about this um you just brought it up mike that the godzilla films are very reflective of japanese um culture the shifts in that and i was telling her it's kind of like james bond in a sense where you can really chart like pop culture and uh history just in general through like through James Bond and through Godzilla to an extent, because their changes are very, excuse me, reflective of uh, just the shifts that are going on at the time. You know, you've got the Showa era and it's very, very kid friendly, very uh, welcoming to all ages. You've got the Heisei era and that's, it's got a little bit of Showa, but it's got a bit of an edge to it. And then the Millennium series feels a bit scattershot. And now you've got, uh, I guess, what this is called, the the, Ray, the Rewa era. Rewa, um, yeah. So I, I, I think very much he is a cultural, uh, I, I'm hesitant to use the word blueprint, but for lack of a better term, I will say like you can, you can f- figure out what is going on in the, in the water, so to speak, through uh, the lens of someone like Godzilla or James Bond. Yeah. What could could not agree more like 100 percent that the and and it helps that those are both such incredibly long running series that, that they really are fascinating to to take on that way. Yep. Um. All right. Well, we're running a bit long, so I'm going to move us over to unless you guys have any final thoughts on minus one. Obviously, 
strong recommendations, regardless of what we just talked about, strong recommendations from both of you, correct? Yep. Yep. Yes, very much definitely. so. So uh, I, I'm going to do my Irish goodbye, which I guess is not an Irish goodbye because I'm saying goodbye. But uh, the, unfortunately, Godzilla minus one and Silent Night weren't even playing in, uh, in in on my island anyway. So I didn't get a chance. So uh, I'll let you guys. Talk to your uh, heart's desire about John Woo. Um, it's midnight here, so I'm going to get to sleep because I have a camera test in the morning. But uh, Max, thank you so much for coming on, and it's good to talk to you guys again. Just kind of catch up, hangout episode, and uh, yeah, I'll see. I'll see. Next week will be the end of the first shoot day, so we'll play it by ear. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. luck. Well, and, and obviously, yeah, all of it's flexible with you, bud, whatever, you know, if you can join, if you, if you can join, join, if not, you know, maybe we can also, you could also, if you want, just record something and email it to me and I can cut it into the episode or something like that. So we'll, uh, oh, awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. So, all right, all guys. Right, man. Thank you. Have Love you, Liam. Luck. Sleep well, buddy. Thanks guys. Bye. Don't dream of that burger. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. so Silent White, Silent Night, John Woo's Silent White. Yo, yo, say it on a fucking Freudian slip. That's that's yeah, that, that 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 is a thing that just happened. Um, Silent Night, John Woo's uh return to the United States after after almost twenty years, uh, or around twenty years. Um, his last actual movie period was uh, Manhunt six years ago. And uh, it is a movie uh, that does exist that I did see in theaters. Um, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, Here's here's my thing with it. Uh, The direction, I will say this, the direction is unassailable. Woo is still woo. Uh, Every every camera angle, every shot in this, it was the same way I felt watching Multiverse of Madness uh, with Sam Raimi, where it was just like you're just watching Masters who the camera is just such an extension of their personality that, uh, that, you know, it's so much more vibrant and energetic uh, than most of what, of any movie that you see, really, you know, even a lot of the DTV movies that, that, you know, and silent Hill or silent night was not made for a huge budget. It was not more than much more than a typical DTV movie that we talk about. And, um, it still looked so much more vibrant and so much more energetic than, than even a lot of the directors that I love that do DTV stuff. Um, so from that standpoint, it is a very, very strong recommendation for me. Just go see it to see a John Woo movie. Uh, I thought Woo was, uh, let's just say I thought the script was not at the level of the direction and uh and maybe kind of just leave it at that i'm sure i'll elaborate on that but it uh it it didn't it didn't it didn't hit for me in in really any way max what about your thoughts uh yeah no i kind of i i I agree um i it's nice to have Wu back i thought it was very much a three-star affair um this is I I 100 willing to admit though, um, my Wu knowledge is still, uh, not new, um, but uh, it's it's I'm still growing. I just I I did the Wu's of November thing in our Discord, so I've I've watched a couple of first timers. I had never seen Hard Boiled. I had never seen uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, um, and 
I have a much deeper appreciation for uh, earlier Wu uh, than I did prior to uh, last month. Um, but for me, watching it, it felt closer to, I, and I, I saw a couple of mutuals talk about it, it felt closer to Death Sentence. Maybe, as you said, script-wise, not as strong on that uh, front. Uh, but it felt it felt very uh, subdued. Subdued is the word. Uh, subdued. And, uh, yeah, the script, maybe it wasn't the script, but the central premise that nobody speaks. Comparing this to say something, I don't know if you saw it. Um, it was that film from September that just came out, uh, You Can't Get Away. Um that, no one, what no is. one will save you. No one will save you. That one felt like it could get away with its premise a bit more because it was mostly just her. And so she didn't necessarily have time to speak. But this one felt at times where I didn't understand why some people, like his wife speaks occasionally, but there's no reason that Kid Cudi's character, when they meet up in the finale, that he doesn't say, hey, or anything. It's just a couple of nods. And to be fair, I think that finale is very, very, very woo. Um it's very strong. It feel it feels very much in line with uh, the heroic bloodshed, but just them not talking. Uh, even the uh, the villains and uh, like I said, Kid Cudi, they it felt like they were they were pushing a bit too far in that uh, direction. And so for me, that was like it 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 didn't hit the way I wanted to. But like you said, it's still a strong recommend. But I do think very much it is a three star fair. It uh yeah. And the thing for me is, unfortunately, I love, you know, if you listen to the last couple episodes I did with Larnell, I love Joel Kinnaman. I love yeah, Altered Carbon. The problem is his performance in this, there is no interiority to it. So he just comes across like a fucking psychopath for most of the movie. Like we don't get any, you know, I actually I actually had said it on, on the Discord that I, I was thinking about Face Off and how good John Travolta is in that opening act of Face Off where he's conveying Archer's pain of losing his son with with very, you know, with about the same amount of backstory that we get. Yeah. And uh, and Travolta is so good at conveying that internal pain and his obsession, why his obsession is rising out of this pain. Kinnaman just comes across as a prick who wants to kill a bunch of people. Like, I just, I didn't get any, like, sense of loss from him. I just got anger and murder. And and, and so it made, it made him not a very sympathetic, not that, not that all main characters have to be sympathetic, but they do have to be empathetic. We have to be able to, to understand why they're doing what they're doing and i just i was at a distance the whole movie and I, you know when i put this on twitter i compared it to a van damme movie that came out a few years ago called we die young that's almost the same movie van damme plays a soldier who can't talk because he got shot in the throat in afghanistan now he's homeless uh and he runs afoul of uh some very very cartoonish gangsters mexican gangsters and he has to he has to kill them all to try and protect this kid um so it's not totally the same but there's definitely some similar vibes and van damme is so good you know the miles and abuse on that man's face he is so good at conveying pain and torment and guilt and regret um that i just for kinnaman i just i didn't kinnaman isn't I think Kinnaman's a very good actor. I don't think he's a very um, deep actor. I, I I think with Kinnaman, kind of what you see is what you get. And, and I think it depends and, on the script he has because yeah. I do. 
you look at the jump between, and this is not really fair, but you look at the jump between the first Suicide Squad and then the Suicide Squad, and he's so much better in the Suicide Squad. He's he's having fun too, and so I I do I I do agree with what you're saying, but I think also it's script opinion, uh, for him for a large uh, part of it for sure. I also, I also think as well part of my problem is with his characterization. Like you said, he has no interior motive is he makes he more or less makes the jump to start murdering people there isn't when he goes to visit kid Cudi at the police station there is no moment where he's like are you guys looking he just goes in there he takes pictures and he bounces and then he ships the uh one gangster to kid Cudi. he's like what you should have done it's like yeah but at no moment did you give any indication that you were interested in what they were doing before you decided to go on uh your rampage um and it's not like he had a whole year to do it. And so he just, he sort of just immediately makes the switches. I'm going to go kill them. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to, you know, to address the criticism that I know some of our listeners are going to have, I'm not being a script watcher on this. The movie wasn't engaging enough for me to not watch the script because the lead character wasn't engaging enough. And again, I don't know that it's, I don't know that I blame Kinnaman for it. I think the character was, was so shallowly developed and written uh that it just it, it it really did you know i i saw some people compare it to bullet in the head and and with all due respect to some people whose opinions i love and respect who i saw say that that just blows my fucking mind because bullet in the head is woo's dante's inferno you know it is a story of three friends who fall ever deeper into descending levels of hell until nothing is left. Uh, their entire worlds are, are burned to ashes. It is a tragedy of, of the highest order. Um, it's heartbreaking, but it works that way because we see them as friends first. And then we see that all fall apart. This was like a less sleazy Michael winter film. Like, like this, this really just, there is no buildup, you know, we open with Kinnaman's kid being killed and then we get like one or two little tiny flashbacks, but there's, there's nothing there to suggest like there's no tragedy in him breaking up with Catalina Sandina Moreno because we don't ever see them happy. So yeah. like her just leaving is like, okay, well, why is she even in here? Like there's no tragedy in this movie. You can tell by the ending we're supposed to feel that this is some sort of, uh, tragedy that all of this violence has begat more violence but we don't have anything to feel tragic about these are puppets shooting guns and again not Wu's fault direction is amazing but um vice what are your thoughts on it yeah i was going to talk about the um technical stuff first but no this is actually the dramatic parts of what's more interesting about the movie for good and ill um you know like if, if you are if if you were in like fucking Book in Iowa, and you are deathly afraid of MS 13 Mexican cartel is going to kill your, your suburban white family. This is the movie for you. Like, it, it's it's now it's interesting because these are kind of I definitely feel like we was trying something, trying on um, challenging yourself to do something new. So, you kind of just feel that with the technical parts of it all, um, and and the and the whole like silent, silent device. But it's still a very old school, like almost seventies era Death Wish kind of story at the end of the day, um, just with some little, little bit of modern things, and that's not bad necessarily. But like, um, I think at this point though, you can do that kind of story 
And actually, there's room to make a really interesting commentary about it. Like, or even if you like, you know, we we're talking about like right-wing um, sentiments here. Even if you agree with it, there's still room to like interrogate that kind of action movie, that kind of where we came from. So like, you know, he, he his kid gets killed by the fucking crazy ass super cholo like Saints Row gangsters in the shootout. Like it's just a fucking video game cartoonish. We got AKs in the in hot hot rods. It's stupid, but uh, so I hate to do that. And then um, I, there was so much room in even even though there's no dialogue, there's so much room visually and just kind of what's set wise to make a commentary on this kind of revenge vigilante trope that's 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 that this movie is a part of. It's going going for beat for beat, like Flexella. So like you know when he when he's in his depression after his son dies and he. Suddenly, can go to police station, and then on this, on this turn to become a vigilante. Um, there's an interesting, you know, we 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 brought up the kind of you know the January, January six stuff in a previous discussion in Godzilla. There's an interesting way to, to play that um, kind of aimless rage, you know, because nowadays like um a lot of a lot of the um, animus against the government or against you know like uh, or, or the anti woke stuff like there's a rage against like but it's not really well defined. It's just kind of rea so reactionary is the word reactionary. It's a reactionary um, anger about the state of the world, but no one really has a proper ideology to fix it. It's just anger all the time, just vitriol all the time uh, at everything. And so there's, there's a way to make that come off with this character to kind of express that kind of blind rage and how it consumes you. But then, but at, at the end of the day, though, it becomes a straightforward vigilante action movie where he's ultimately right. And again, that's not... It doesn't have to be a bad thing that he's right, quote unquote, but they don't do anything with it. He goes through this painting, he goes through this confusion or whatever, and, and you know, he goes from like being sad to getting pictures of the cops to um doing kettlebell workouts. And yeah, there's little these little interesting things. They're like um this individual's like you see him um learning how to do knife fighting from like tactical dips dips hits on YouTube, which is like you know and I, and actually <laughs> I laugh at the character because I I see some of myself in him and I see some of people I know in him where you like um because I've seen some of those very same YouTube fight night, night videos but the ones that I see like uh there's always like the well the ones that I that I try to gravitate towards there's thought behind this thing there's like all this self-defense rule shit and all this uh um what's that saying I'd rather be carried by six than judged by twelve like the mindset of a, a the modern American male who thinks he can like be a vigilante he thinks he, thinks he can shoot his way out of stuff but yeah. it's not that easy. It's not that it's not that simple, you know. It, that's not how the world really works, and well, you know, for the most part. So there's ways, there's interesting, there's room to interrogate that thought process so much. But no, none of that happens. It, he he goes from being sad to getting the intel, doing kettlebell workouts, and it's like, like even with like taxi driver way back then, like when you see his transformation, Travis Bickle's transformation from like. This love to this like to work doing the workouts and getting his gear. There's a sadness to it. There's a you know that's part of the point. It's it's pathetic. It's sad. It's like this guy's a psychopath, and that should apply here, but it doesn't. He's just like he's just like a badass. Like he's just a regular badass. There's no interrogation whatsoever about what's he why or what's actually happening here. It's just oh time for the time for the time to be the Punisher. Time to be all brand Punisher. You know it's like it's it's just such a, such a waste of an interesting interesting. Well, even though it's a straightforward plot. The premise could be so much more interesting, especially with, with the way it's not spoken. You know, like uh, 
you can use that like even like the film was shot on location in Mexico City or Mexico, but like basically in like America, fake Texas City in America. There's lots of stuff, dramatic stuff to get over that, but they just they just don't do anything with it, and it's just like, it makes it kind of really just a, a kind of a narrative failure in that regard. Like um, you have all this room to like explore this stuff, but it's just it's just boring, a boring straightforward movie in the end, uh, narrative in the end. Um, so that you know that all said, you know even so yeah like uh, like, it's not bad because it's right wing. It's bad because it's boring. Like. It, it, it's, they, don't, they don't do anything fun with it, or no, anything interesting with that premise at all. It just well, happens. Do, oh, yeah. I was just going to say that was one of the things I was going to say is because I know some people are going to be like, it's just an action movie. You guys are reading too much into it. And I'm like, okay, well, then give me more fucking action. Because like, <laughs> yeah, the first yeah. two acts of that movie were, for me, a, a real fucking slog. Yeah. Like, like I, I Watching Joel Kinnaman silently watch Mall Ninja YouTube videos is is like not the height of like narrative momentum for me. So if we're just gonna chalk it up as it's not, it's just a dumb action movie, then it should have more action. If it's not gonna have more action, then it should be interrogating these themes and doing something more interesting with the narrative. And, and, and to Kinnaman's credit, when he when he's about to go do it, the the when he's about to go kill everybody who had a hand in his son's death, to his credit, he know he very much conveys that he knows he's not coming back from that. But to go along with what you were saying, where there's no interior motive, I wish that him conveying that he knew he was going to come back. Well, then to me, that says that he doesn't want to live in a world without his son. So he knows he's basically going on this suicide mission. But none of that is conveyed prior to that moment. And so I wish, like you, like uh, what you were saying, Mike, and what Vice was saying, that if he has this death drive to kill these people and know that he's probably going to die, then I wish he was, there was more of that felt throughout the film. Um, yeah, to, to quote the Thomas Jane Punisher at the end of that, you know, when he says, it's not revenge, it's punishment. That's kind of what this is, right? This isn't really a revenge movie because he's not, you don't get revenge really by dying, right? You get revenge by killing everybody and then living so that they yeah. know that you, so what he's really doing is punishing these guys, which is fine. But again, that's not, that's not something that, that is, is really in the text of the movie. That's us really bending over backwards to try and, Put some stuff in there that's not in there. But Vice, what were you going to say? Well, there's, there's, there's also could be a, a third way for if it, was, if it wasn't just straight up action, or it wasn't just an actual serious interrogation. It could have been a fucking crazy, like crazy B movie slugfest, like uh, that part where he's uh, where he's planning out his uh, his uh, his revenge or whatever his punishment on the calendar. There he has a circle of that He says, uh, "Start gang war?" Question mark. That's hilarious. <laughs> like they, that could have they could have that tone could have been throughout the whole movie. It could have been like a. This is a wild, like, you know, almost like, I don't know, self-end type, like, this bizarre, off-the-wall, like... You know what You know what movie I thought of that hit the right tone? Even, and I don't like the movie, but what hit the right tone of bizarre, schlocky fest like this? Law-abiding citizen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm watching yeah. this, and I'm yeah. thinking, law-abiding citizen really hits the schlocky tone that that just absurd, patently ridiculous, could yeah. not happen in the real world tone that this movie at times felt like it was going for, but kept backing away from. Yeah, if it went that that third option that route, then they, that 
all these, all these other things could have been not absolved, like it would have made more sense. It would have made more sense for it to be like a he's not the normal interrogation because like it's just uh you just take it as a farce on his face, and that would be that would that would have been way more entertaining instead of like you know like he's doing this cool like gun toting shit, but then like you see the visions of his son in a sad in the sad uh, uh Christmas ornament. Like it's just it's too stop serious for it's so good. And then it's, it's not silly enough when it needs to be. It's just it's confused to an older place that doesn't serve any purpose. None of none of its tones serve any end. It's just kind of all kind of slapdash and they all kind of fall apart in that regard. Again, even though when the action does come, it is fucking tight. Like you know, like the like the the, the, the final battle, the climax, the uh, storming the uh, the the, the kingpin's you know tower. Like that's that's a fucking great scene. But what all that comes to bear from that is. It might, it might as well just be like a, a fucking short short film, honestly. Like yeah, short... it's a tech demo. You're watching. You're watching yeah. a demo reel, basically. You're watching John Woo's demo reel to remind everybody that he's still he's still the fucking goat, and that's yeah. fine as as that. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't annoyed by the end, but I just I wish there had been some more meat on the bones of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I will say I'm not I'm not gonna advocate for it because I know he made the comments about Marvel movies, but he could make a good Punisher film with Kinnerman. <laughs> this is pretty much Punisher and everything, but name down yeah. to the trick jacket and all that. Like I, I'm not advocating that Wu needs to go make Kate movies, but like it more or less kind of is. And I'm I'm glad that there were no. Uh, I, I know Vice, you joked about the guy in Iowa. This is his wet MS-13 dream. I don't know enough about MS-13, but I will say um, at least my perspective on it is I don't think there's really enough here to potentially demonize um, that uh, gang or I guess the stereotype of that gang because even they're not given outside of the uh, random drug, the random drug, I'm sorry, outside of the the uh, drive-by, the shootout in the opening, they are they could have been anybody. They could have been yeah. a gang of white people. They could have been a gang of black people. They just <laughs> happened to be uh, Latinx. Is it is that the correct nomenclature? Yeah. I'm always Latinx. They well, just I, I, guess, be... I, guess I guess in this kind of like, like full on Cholos too, like the actual like Mexican style gang of that, of that, of that, of that region, like the Cholos yeah. style gang members. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah more window dressing than anything else. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought the whole the whole you know going after it is this movie racist or whatever. I I don't know. I think I think it's 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 a symptom of the bigger problems with the movie that I kind of don't think I can criticize it as racist because the bad guys are nothing but bullet fodder. Yeah, there's a nothing. So <laughs> it's it's hard to like even look at this and go, well, this movie's racist because there's not enough there. There's not enough there there. Like so you know, <laughs> now that I think about it, you think back to Wrath of Man and uh Scott Eastwood and how he sees um Jason Statham twice and each and he's and Statham's basically like this ghost that is like inching his way closer to kill uh Scott Eastwood until the very end. And I kind of think that's a more interesting avenue. Uh, the the main gang leader whose name I I, I don't playa playa that's what it was. Um, if he he never he never has that he has that one moment where he realizes oh I shot this guy in the neck but I think it would have been like to your what what you were saying Mike that if there's more action if the violence that played out over the course of like a year and he kept seeing this guy after like he shot him oh, he's like. 
what the, he's like, what the fuck? I've killed this guy like 12 times. He keeps fucking coming. You know, that yeah. there's yeah. wrath of man is a proper. Now that is it. When I was trying to distinguish between what's a revenge movie and what's sort of a punishment movie, wrath of man is a proper revenge movie, right? Yeah. Statham. It's not just killing people. Statham orchestrates the entire downfall oh, yes. of this group. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the very end is he makes damn sure they knew he's the one that did it. And he makes damn sure they knew why he did it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, it's, but again, I hate when you can always tell when a movie's not working for me because I stop taking the movie on its own terms and I start grading it for not being the movie that I wanted it to be, which is really, it's a bad way to criticize a movie. But the problem is, is for me, when it is trotting such well-worn exploitation revenge movie ground, such well-worn John Woo ground, it's almost impossible not to compare it to things that do this better and to not think about what could have been. Um, You know, because I think even taking the movie on its own terms, I find the first two acts to be just, I don't want to say complete failures, but inert so inert narratively that it it overshadows the again very very brilliant action wise third act and it overshadows the tremendous john woo direction the cinematography the direction the shot selection the blocking all of that all still amazing all still blows away 97 percent of all directors working Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing too is like the opening the literal first shot of the movie is him chasing down the car and so i think that's a good visual shorthand to like show somebody who is off their rocker because his son dies and he immediately goes gives chase and then that is kind of lost for like the next six months after he's been shot in the neck yeah. and then he decides to go kill them and it's like well he was off. you don't just briefly grieve and then chase after someone if you're not just a little bit off you know yeah. um and so I, yeah, I think yeah. something like that could have worked a lot more if they really leaned into this man doesn't know how to live without his kid. Yeah, there's, there's, for those who haven't seen it, there's a great Sam Peckinpah movie called Straw Dogs that that uses a, a, a you know, a, a traditional trope. Dustin Hoffman plays this nebbish college professor, moves with his wife back to her, her homeland in England and uh, all sorts of bad things start happening. And when I first watched it, I really thought it was going to be a pretty standard revenge. You know, the the nice man driven too far. And then I watched it and went, oh, no, fucking Hoffman was like psychotic all along. He was just looking for an excuse to like let it out. And, yeah. and that's kind of what this movie is. Uh, obviously not as good as Straw Dogs, but it is one of those things where it's like, the only thing I can take from the text of this movie is Kinnaman was already a monster. He just was looking for the excuse to unleash it. And again, that's a, a, a great thesis that you can comment on with you know modern action movies. But again, nothing they don't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Leslie, I want to mention um, uh, even though like we mentioned that the uh, villains are kind of like no, no nobodies, I did get it. Like the Harold Torres who plays Playa, great just presence. He looks cool as fuck. You know. Like, and then, um, you know, just as a good like villain, like just says to be looking menacing and to look like intimidating, you know, like again, they could have done a lot more with it, but like, it was just, I mean, at least he had that going for him. So shout out to him. And also, oh, this is a great year for henchmen. And the one here, uh, uh, Ruiz, it's so funny. You mentioned the racism. 
the the main henchman or named Ruiz. This is a um actor slash stuntman, Yoko Hamamura. <laughs> he's a I believe he's a, a Japanese American uh, MMA fighter uh, and trainer. So you get this uh, Asian dude playing Mexican dude, <laughs> oh, no. but it, but, the, but he's fucking great. Like uh, yeah. I don't I'm looking at that is um I'm doing now. He has a bunch of he has a pretty um pretty good um recent stats so far. He's been uh the Obi Wan series. He was in Cape doing stunts. He's of stunts in the Dune newest Dune movie. Um, he he, he did stuff working on Birds of Prey. So yeah, he has, he has a pretty good pretty good um um resume here for us stunt wise and action wise. So yeah, so, so see and, I, and he, he definitely um he definitely um took charge here and, uh, with his screen time role. He definitely took advantage of it just to be a dope, like a, a big mean menacing presence to, yeah. you know, as a nemesis against uh, uh him and. So yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to Yoko Hamamura. You could you could here. feel that fist fight. That was they 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 were putting the absolute fucking punches on each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, again, you know, like it, it was it was the story was more there was more to it, but like again, the accent was that and that was a big part of it. It's like you know having these great villains who actually you know even though they don't do much, they're just great presence as villains, and especially when it comes to the action. So yeah, yeah. At, at least I want to get credit that much, and I, and I also. I want to see these guys in more stuff. Like these guys, they they got it. You know, they got the they got the look. They got the the moves. I want to I want to see them in more stuff. So you yeah, think could he signed up because he he read? He's like, I can do will. All right, bet. <laughs> there 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 was also uh, during that whole third act, and I can't find her name uh, on the the credits list, but there was a there was a woman who kicked all sorts of ass in there, and just again, cut a very impressive screen presence just just a lot of really you know and that's again i think that's why i'm being so hard on this movie there's a lot of good stuff still in it i do think everybody should watch it this is not a skip this is absolutely a watch but um but i just i could have been should have been better yeah um but all right well i think that's a good point to wrap up we've already gone pretty long so uh max where can people uh find you online if they want to follow you uh, you can find me on the Discord, uh, Twitter. It's uh, at ODST Spartan. It's pretty much the same throughout all the socials uh, back from when I was in middle school and I played a bunch of Halo. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I do I do appreciate you hanging out with us today. You know, we've talked about getting you on before and this felt like a good little hangout session to get to get you on. So I, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Vice, where can people find you? Oh yeah, yeah. So I'll be. I'm gonna try to be on the Discord more as well. And if until also, if you need invites for that, uh, you can um, you know, um, just at uh, well, yeah, at Max on Marina Twitter or other socials, he'll um give you the invites, whatever. Um, I'll be on uh oh, I I, I should have my review of this on my letterbox. I was with this. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, just kind of side note, just a uh, life now. Uh, I just had my 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 wife's holiday Christmas party thing going on. So I got I got a new suit. She looked fresh as fuck, man. So I'm on Instagram. Wilson Fisk. Wilson, <laughs> Wilson Vice. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram looking hot. My, my, my dope thread, my hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, until one of us dies, I'm on Twitter talking all the shit. Had a question. And you can find the show at Linktree slash A4E Podcast. You can follow me at Hibachi Justice basically everywhere. Um, you can follow the show at A4E Podcast basically everywhere. And uh, you're listening to us, so you know you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, just one quick, we'll talk a little bit more about our Spotify wrapped in a couple of weeks, but I do want to say a uh, shout out, John Hyams. You uh, gave us our most listened to episode. Uh, congrats to a, a master 
uh, a genius. And thank you for taking your time to, uh, to join us for that. So, um, all Before right. Before you cut us off, yeah. Vice, uh, you 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 were talking about doing your annual war retrospective. Mm. I'm just saying, I'm here. I have to. I I got to put my brand up. You got to watch to catch a killer. It it'll oh, work. Yeah. It'll work. Mm. It'll work. I'm telling you, it will work for you. I yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's gonna be your, your Christmas present. I'm gonna watch that movie for you. Just for that's you the yeah. other one that you need to watch. Vice is you got to watch the channel. Channels, I yes. don't think you've seen that yet, so you got to yeah. watch that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely gonna. Yeah, I want to get revved up for that. Yeah. All right, and as always, you can follow Liam Odin, Liam or Liam O'Donnell, Liam Odin everywhere. Uh, and so, uh, good luck, Liam. Boys, love you. Let's do this again. Love you. Peace. Yep.